It's, you know, the cliche paying your dues, but it is not just paying your dues, it's perfecting your craft. Like, I, you, you know a certain amount of information and you have a certain amount of skills when you are at that point. But you don't know everything. You, you know, there's so much to learn. I, every time I sing still, I learn something and I become better. That's Laura Ellis. I'm Jamie Green. And this is Trading Fours. Hey everyone, welcome back to Trading Fours. I hope you all had a safe and wonderful 4th of July. We made the best of it here at Shea Green. You know, Sting once said, if you play music with passion and love and honesty, then it will nourish your soul, heal your wounds, and make your life worth living. Music is its own reward. And I cannot agree more. Back in 2014, I had a really bad health scare, and I don't really want to go into the details, but suffice it to say, I was literally bedridden for several months. I was so depressed. I never thought it was going to get any better. I never thought I was going to have any semblance of a life again. It was really, really hard. But extremely slowly, and I do mean slowly, I started to regain back some of my energy levels, and as I began to look forward to the future, I had a nice conversation on the phone with my wife's cousin, Laura Ellis. She's today's guest, and she's just an amazing singer. You can tell by listening to this track. She literally gives me goosebumps sometimes when she sings. I had known her for over 20 years by that point, and I really wanted to see her perform live. She had a new jazz album out called Broken Lovely, which is great. And I said, hey, the next time you're in Kansas City, you should do a show here. And she said, you know, I've always really wanted to do a rock and roll show. And then I replied, well, rock and roll, I can help with that. Fast forward a few months and we're on a stage doing a couple of women in rock shows. And now Laura had never really heard me play guitar. She had no idea if I had any ability at all. But for whatever reason, she believed in me and it meant and continues to mean so much to me. So I'm super excited to have her on my podcast. You see, she's not just a great performer, she's become a good friend, and, and we've continued to collaborate on things. So from the bottom of my heart, thanks for believing in me, Laura. Music truly did help me recover. Here's my conversation with Laura Ellis. All right, so let's get started then. My first question, it's to everybody. Like, how are you holding up, man? How you doing? Well, it depends on the day, which is probably what everyone says. Um, you know, I have days where I'm doing okay, and then I have days where I just cannot take the weight of the world. Uh, today's okay. I'm happy to be with you and happy to, you know, I just taught and 
took a class and, you know, feel fairly engaged in life today. Right. <laughs> a little that's, bit. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, you know, it, it's hard on everybody, right? I don't think anybody's going to, yeah. This, I, I don't know if anybody this year has the plans the way that they thought 2020 was going to go. No, I'm supposed to be in Greece right now. Yeah. And not the musical. <laughs> Not the musical, no. The actual thing. Well, we'll get yeah. to we'll get to all that, but I, I think it's important for people that don't know you, Laura. So let's talk a little bit. You obviously are a Kansas City native. Yes, yes. But you've been out in uh, California for what twenty five years? Twenty five years. Twenty five years. Yeah, right after college, uh, got married and came out here. So I've lived here longer than I lived in Kansas City. You know, it's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. But you're here usually quite a bit when there's not a global pandemic. You get back a lot. Yeah, when there's not a pandemic. Uh, I usually come back, you know, a few times a year. In the summer, I usually stay about three or four weeks, uh, right. which would be just a little after this time is when I should have been there. Yeah. Um, before this time and, and, and after, I was going to kind of split it up this year. But that's just life, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. I'm California. Yeah, well, you just live them day by day. So I want to yeah. know, and you and I have never talked about this, so what got you into music? I mean, I obviously have seen the picture of you with the, what was it, the shoehorns? What are you guys singing now? <laughs> yeah, my dad, my fastidious dad had these shoehorns. Yeah, my dad um, too. That, uh, you know, he was a salesman. He had to always look nice. He was always shining his shoes. And he had these shoehorns that I just thought were perfect microphones. Right. So I did a lot of singing into shoehorns um, and uh, performing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was in dance class when I was little, like everyone probably. And at some point when I was like third or fourth grade, um, somehow it was discovered that I could, that I had a voice. And so I started getting solos in choir, uh, doing talent shows and things like that. And, uh, you know, just started there and grew. And I was very lucky to go to schools that had very strong music programs. And so there were a lot of opportunities to perform in grade school. And, and um, I was actually a little touring choir in grade school. And, you know, in high school and college, I had wonderful opportunities. But yeah, I just started with Grade school choir. Yeah. <laughs> well, know. I know your dad loves music, right? He had a jukebox, yeah. right? But was he musical? Yeah. Well, there was a lot of singing. Like he always sang, um, but he had never done anything, you know, intentionally with music. But we always had music. We always had music. And, um, you know, he had a huge 45 collection. And I will listen to those things over and over. And then at some point when I was about maybe, maybe 10 or 11, maybe 12, I can't remember the exact year, uh, he surprised us, my sister and I, with a jukebox. And he said, no, Santa left something downstairs. We ran downstairs and there's a jukebox in our basement. Wow, and those are not cheap. No, he had, he had found this, and I couldn't tell you where it is now, but like this something something amusement like in i don't know if it was in 
KCK or where it was, I don't remember, but they sold used jukeboxes and used pinball machines and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know what made him think to do that, uh, but it was such a treasure, such a treasure. And first of all, we thought we were the coolest people yeah. in the entire Eastern Eye. But we would just stay down in the basement all the time, roller skating around and around and around. And it had a bunch of uh, music already in it, like that was sold that way. And it was like all the 70s radio hits, you know, it was all full of that. And then we would add our own, you know, we that was back when you'd like ask for a 45 for your birthday, you know, oh, like yeah. you'd 45s for your birthday. Yep. And uh, so we'd fill it with our own 45s, but uh, yeah, it was great. So there was always music in the house, obviously. <laughs> we had a jukebox in the basement. <laughs> it was, yeah, so I, that definitely made an impression. So who, who were the singers you first like, liked and said, hey, I want to do that? Who, like, who pressed upon you like, like I love this voice? Uh, the voices that I was attracted to the most besides the music of the day and the 80s stuff was Patsy Cline and Sam Cooke. Like, those two voices were the voices that just spoke, at a younger age, spoke like straight to my soul. And super influenced by that like if you listen to how I sing it's like there's so much sliding and everything it's very Patsy influenced um and then when I was older like I got super into Harry Connick Jr and that kind of led me to all the other stuff like the Sarah Vaughn and Dinah Washington and all the great great greats but when I was younger I didn't I just kind of my dad had Patsy Cline stuff my dad had Sam Cooke stuff so those were the voices that I was first introduced to that I was drawn to, that yeah. I was really, really drawn to. Um, like really just velvety smooth, the, all the sliding, all the velvet stuff is what I really, really liked. And then as I got older, older I liked the grit, you know, <laughs> a little more grit. Um, but, and Katie Lang, like I loved Katie Lang. I saw her once at Williams-Sonoma and I was like, hey. Did you like talk to her? <laughs> <laughs> I did because, you know, when you live in Los Angeles, you're not supposed to talk to anyone, right? It's right. Like you see people all the time and not so much where we live now, but when we first there, we, you just you know, see people at the grocery store, you see, you tend to run into the same people over and over again because you're in the same neighborhood. But the only time I've ever approached anyone, I've only approached like three people. One was Katie Lang. She was at the Williams-Sonoma and I was chasing my toddler and I was like, hi, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah 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 okay whatever um and i also approached john taylor of duran duran at baja fresh which is the mexican restaurant here and i was covered with rice that my son had thrown at me but i he was sitting right next to me like i couldn't not say something because we were so obsessed with duran duran when i was younger. So, so that's the brothers right the taylors right well, they're not brothers but there were three guys with the last name taylor <laughs> okay see i i did well, i was not that into duran duran i know you're gonna probably no, you be shocked wouldn't by be. that you wouldn't be no you got those bass lines they're pretty intense actually him and the the bass player and the guitar player they're both because you know they were in um oh, what was that they did bang a gong and a power was, station yeah 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 that was a good album the, really funky bass lines i think you would you would yeah. dig it and the and the drummer was from uh chic Oh, is that why they have the whole Nile Rodgers uh, 
connection. Yeah. yeah. That's now you know why I do well in trivia. I know. I do not do well in trivia. <laughs> so don't ask me. Do not ask me things that Well, it's interesting about Patsy a little bit. Just, you know, her last concert was here in Kansas City. I know. Yeah, I get real sad when I think about these things. <laughs> yeah, if, you're, you're, if you're a musician, do not get on an airplane. No, I would never get on a small airplane. Are you never. kidding me? That's just, are you, no, singers, no. Mm-mm. No. Bad, bad, bad. In fact, Will was uh, listening to, we were actually listening to Jim Croce. And uh, Will was kind of intrigued by it because he liked, you know, some great songs. Yeah. And he's like, what's he doing? I was like, oh, plane crash. <laughs> Did another one. <laughs> There's a million of them. It's ta- It's like every, oh, it's like every movie ends like La Bamba. Every, like, it seems like. I know. Oh, so anyway, so then you grow up, you're in high school, you go to K-State, you're in some swinging choir. What was that? Tell us about that. <laughs> I was in the K-State Singers, the Singing Ambassadors. Okay. So it was it was actually like the best experience I could have ever had. Um, it was a show choir, jazz choir, for non-music majors. So it was everywhere, you know, there were future teachers and all, all, everybody, all different walks of life. And we would perform and we would travel around the state and be representative. So we would do our song and dance and then we would chat with the people and um, tell them about the school. And it was very intense and a lot of practice. It really taught me about touring and gear and you know all this stuff that uh, the road stuff um, that you wouldn't normally get in edu- you know, regular education. Right. And and I also met my husband in that group. So there you yeah. go. He doesn't Can't. like to admit admit he was a jazz hand show choir guy, but sure so, enough. So for people that don't know you or your husband, he's like the most beloved person on Facebook who's not on Facebook. <laughs> I, I post something and people are like, like, I guess. And I post something with him in it and it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. He's but got like is, groupies. <laughs> He's very, yes, he's very beloved and uh, works very, very hard. Um, And he has a television production company out here and they do stuff for like history, discovery, TLC, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He and I hang out in the kitchen once a year. There you go. Once a year. Well, one of these days. One of these days. So you get out of college, you get married and Mm -hmm. he's like, Hey, I'm going to go move to LA and, you're like, okay, and you go along. And what was that like? <laughs> well, you know, I, I hadn't thought that far ahead, I guess. I, I probably wouldn't have gone on my own. Um, and so, you know, I was lucky that he had dreams that took him there. And, you know, by extension, I joined him. Um, it was a culture shock, as you can imagine. Um, and the hardest part was I didn't sing for two years when I first moved out here, like not a note. Um, partially because I had like a voice teacher who basically told me I couldn't sing, um, right before I left. So that was fun. Great. She, she was a UMKC uh, grad student. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, um, and partially because I was just working and I thought, well, I guess I'll just work and I'll be a working person or whatever. And 
like two years into it, I was, I was miserable. I was just, and I know you can relate to this when you're not doing what is in you when you're not expressing that, like it's painful. It's like emotionally painful. So yeah. So I said, well, forget that. And I quit my job just like spur of the moment, quit my job. And, um, I started auditioning for things and you know, when you're first starting out as a, like a performer, uh, like out of college and I was two years behind, but out of college, like the two main jobs that you get are cruise ship and theme park. And I knew I couldn't do cruise ship because I was married and you send you out for like six months. So I auditioned for a theme park. And that was, so that was my first job. I was um, in a kid's show at Six Flags Magic Mountain, the typical right out of college performer job. And, you know, it was a learning experience, um, but, you know, a lot of fun. And, and that's, that's how you start. <laughs> that's how you start when you're, you know, not a singer-songwriter type of person. That's a, that's a different path. But when you're like a a show person that's kind of the path you take well, and i don't, I don't yeah. think people understand um people i think have this idea that you just you you're born with this gift right that you just somehow it's some kind of an epiphany and you're like oh my god he's he or she's a star and they're just but you know it takes years of work it takes hours and hours right. and it's the outlier ten thousand hours thing right or it's like you you it's you know the cliche paying your dues but it is not just paying your dues it's perfecting your craft like i you you know a certain amount of information and you have a certain amount of skills when you are at that point but you don't know everything you, you know there's so much to learn I, every time i sing still i learn something and i become better uh, and back then i just laugh at myself like oh my gosh i was so you know, it's funny to watch back then. Um, but you do, you have, there's, man, theme parks, cruise ships, uh, all that kind of stuff. You know, I did so many different weird jobs over the years and every, which one of them taught me something new, you know, gave me a new skill. Um, and they weren't always fun and they were, you know, they're not glamorous. It's not a glamorous life. <laughs> That's for no. sure. <laughs> not a glamorous life at all. Um, nope. But no, it's not right. Uh, well, I just—it's just a it, I, part of the idea of this podcast was to try to demystify to people what it's like to be a musician and what it's like to be a performer and what it's like. And I and I just think that it's important because you know one of the things and you and I have talked about this before, but where I feel that people shortchange musicians and like, oh, they want to pay you only such stuff. It's like, well, you're not paying for the performance per se. You're paying for the hours that it took to put yes. into that performance. Yes. Yes. And I don't think people get that. Um, that's, no. why, that's why lawyers can charge 200, 300, $400 an hour. Right. It's not because in that discreet moment, their work is really right. that valuable. It's just because right. they have that expertise that they can bring. Yeah. To the accumulation of knowledge and skill and yeah, totally. Um, and there's obviously so many jokes about, you know, being paid with exposure uh, for musicians. Scary. It's just, <laughs> no, no. Um, but I. So you know hard. what my dad used to say? What? No pay, no play. 
Yeah, you know, I did a, a kind of a, a webinar panel for younger artists a couple months ago. And, you know, the, we were talking about this issue. And I said, well, at, when you start out, you really shouldn't expect to get paid much, much or anything because you don't, you aren't an expert. <laughs> you should be getting in front of an audience as much as possible um, and start, especially if you're going to be an act, if you're going to be like, a, you know, a musician, a band or something like you have to, you can't burst onto the scene if you don't know what you're doing. You know, you, you, you have to craft it. And, and sometimes you don't get the best experience financially when you're starting there. But at a certain point, you know your value. And, and you have to stick to that, you know, because uh, it's hard to be a musician. <laughs> it's hard to be a performer. It just really is, especially now. Oh, every I one mean, of these podcasts, it just, you know, um, you know, I just had Ian Moore on. You know, Ian's been doing it for 32 years, right? probably more than that. Um, and we talked about it and he's sitting at home and he's, his whole world has disappeared. It's dried up. And this is the longest, yeah. he told me it's the longest he's ever been home in his life. Ever. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't have anything travel related planned uh, musically. I had local things planned that got canceled. I had my students who did not, they didn't want to Zoom from home because they don't want their parents to hear them. I have like tweens and teen girls. Okay. And when they come to my house, like this is their safe space and they, you know, but when they're home, like someone could hear them. And so they didn't want to do that. I have one student that, that continued, but like, so that was gone. Um, I've really tried, I've tried very hard to and everyone hates this word to pivot um you know and i started doing a bunch of stuff video wise and i'm working with the local theater um they started this toka to go there it's toka is their their cultural arts foundation in torrance toka to go where they'll have me you can hire me to come and like sing a song or two on your lawn um, kind of like a, so we did one, we started that this week and, you know, we'll see if anyone goes for it, but I think people really miss, and obviously you started doing, you know, the socially distant outside concerts, people miss the live thing, Yeah. you know, as much as it's nice to see people still performing virtually, it's not the same, No. you know, the energy that is exchanged just isn't. I think it's pretty much dead at this point. The virtual thing? Yeah, I mean, I've yeah. watched, and it's just not me, I'm saying that, but I have friends that have done it, um, and you just look at the views, yeah. and the views well, went from like this, and now they're like, you know, and I, for me personally, it's like, it's a lot of work I, 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 to yeah. do video on top of everything else. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. Well, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like because the musicians and all of us were, we were so frustrated. Everybody, we oversaturated the market. Like we just, it was too much for everyone, you know? Um, well, yeah. I think now that if, if it continues, you know, maybe it'll be more, I don't know. The, the theaters that I work with, 
um because i'm not doing bars and clubs and that kind of thing i'm doing like performing arts centers like they're all you know they're not they're definitely not doing a fall season right they're gonna do a spring season will they open their doors again yeah i don't know so i'm gonna i mean i've been rethinking what i'm gonna do anyway but you know i don't know what the strategy is yet um i'll you know if some i'll try i'm gonna probably do another streaming thing i don't i don't make a big habit of it um because it is a lot of work <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a lot of work and i only have myself you know but and i can imagine with the whole band um well you don't have prairie village karen yelling at you though so you do oh my things. gosh what was that all about <laughs> right now i gotta go to work at 8 10 8 10 p.m even oh when I was a God. kindergartner, I could stay up past that. But some people just like to complain. But obviously, some there's a lot of those people these days. Yeah, I don't know. So well, let's let's talk happy. <laughs> I've my life so far. <laughs> yeah, aren't you glad you did this podcast? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's horrible. Okay. So, let, cool. so, so the good, <laughs> let's talk some good stuff. So, so I've, I've told you this privately, but I'm happy to say this publicly. I, I, I have a huge debt to you. Um, I was, I had some pretty bad health issues and had been really sick and not feeling good and started finally kind of feeling better. And you, I knew how good you were. Um, I don't think you <laughs> had any idea if I could play a, a note or, uh, <laughs> how could you You had heard me um and and you you believed enough in me to to do stuff with me so i i from the bottom of my heart with all sincerity i I thank you very much it it came at a very needed time and i really appreciate it so well and it's my pleasure i really enjoyed everything we've done together and i'm glad to be a small part of you getting back on the scene and you know i'm so happy that you've you've just like nailed it man you 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 found the sweet spot and uh you're you know you're really doing it and of course you are a doer <laughs> yes you are a doer, so you get things done you're not like the kelly's no i am not i'm not that way well life's short anyway yeah, and no, I, I just i don't have the patience yes. man i don't i don't have the patience it's gonna we're gonna get it done which that's is kind- great no it's fantastic and that's what i'm saying it's like it's very impressive and inspiring um what you've what you've done so congratulations well that's sweet of you it's a good uh, midlife crisis it's it's safer yeah. than it. it's safer than a motorcycle and it's cheaper than a yeah. tesla <laughs> definitely <laughs> so for those people that don't know so you hadn't really done a rock show uh until we did one so but you got a no big, not, you, not to that extent i mean you know i done oldies rock like 50s 60s but not like what we did it was so fun yeah, that's so not 60s, not rock and roll, Laura. Let's be honest. Well, are we going to get into a debate about it or something? <laughs> Do we talk origin? Um, I yeah, it was super fun. Um, there's so much like strength and power in that music that is lacking, you know, in the jazz and. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Same world <laughs> that I live in. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I had I actually was cleaning out my computers because I need to clean out my computers there's too much stuff on it um and there was an old video of one of our rehearsals back at my last house oh, yeah. and you it's funny because it's like it's on and we're talking and it's all of us in the room and you're standing over by the, the old house bar and uh we just kick into it and you 
I wish I'd saved it. You physically jump a little bit. Like you're like, <laughs> wow, this is a lot louder. Like this is, this is different. Right? Yeah, totally. Totally. And, um, you know, it was such a joy though. Like, cause we were doing all that stuff that, you know, you grow up with and that you sing into your hairbrush, your shoehorn. Yeah. You know, on the radio, but never got to perform. So it was really, really fun. Really fun. We'll do it again. We're going to do it again here soon. Yeah. That we're supposed to, aren't we doing September? Or is that? Uh... Yeah. We're, we're supposed to do that. I need to, I need to talk with her and make sure, you know, I, I'm it, every day is like, okay. <laughs> Still happening. Okay. <laughs> Haven't heard otherwise. So there you go. All right. I'll start practicing. Yeah. Because I actually was, had worked those up fairly well, and it's like what's stuck. I, I I need to look at that list too. But there's only so many songs I can keep in my head at any given time. Oh my gosh, I, you know, I um, <laughs> I got a uh, uh, Olga gave me uh, my friend Olga gave me a Christina Aguilera masterclass. You know the masterclasses for. Yep. Um, and the, the, my number one takeaway from the masterclass was she uses a teleprompter. And I was like, thank you. It is hard to keep when you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's hard to remember. And I'm getting older. Like my brain has like reached a capacity for lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot put any more in there without losing, you know, losing some. So, you know, I know, and I've seen all the big people do that. They've got their teleprompters. You don't, was this last night? Is it tonight? What verse are we on? You know, it's, it can get confusing. Yeah. I think, was, I think we have 110 songs right now. Oh my our, gosh. And our playlist. That's, that's a crazy. lot. Of, that's a lot of tunes, man. You forget. Yeah, it is. There's just no way. I mean, it's kind of like you keep about half of those like, okay, I can play that anytime. And, right, and right. the other half, you're like, wait a minute, how's that go? Like you have to work on <laughs> like, okay, let's give me yeah. a second. I got to remember this. Cause I don't, you know. Totally. But I've been I've been using an iPad cheat sheet. I have it where it just has does. with the Everybody cords does. and no, you it's have hard. to. Well, the shows that I do, I can't. The majority of them, I can't do that right. because there's shows and there's dancing and there's like there's no cheating. So those shows, I have to know obviously. But everything else, I don't know. I'm. I'm <laughs> you need some help. You need some help. I don't know. So let's before I don't want to because I want to you know be cognizant of your time and you know it's after five for me. So at some point I I want to get a drink. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why 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 can't we make, you make this later so I could drink? I mean I guess I could drink now, but you could. But be you'd be asleep at like day. seven. Yeah. <laughs> you done for the day. Let's talk about your shows first. So you've got, and this is off the top of my head, so you're going to probably correct me if I have something wrong. You've got your the whole noir thing that I saw down in Emporia. So we'll, we'll yeah. talk about that. Put that, let's put a pin in that one. Okay. You've got your one hit wonders. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's your third one? What am I missing? Uh, Kit and the Cats, which is Kitten. 50s and 60s. And do I have any other ones? Oh, I have Cinema Sweethearts. Yeah. So and let's start with let's start with Kit and the Cats, and we'll move on to. So I, I think I looked at your YouTube page. Was it your YouTube page or your SoundCloud? Before I actually do some research, I'm not just. Oh, a, that's uh, well, you're like a real, real guy. I'm not. I'm <laughs> doing not real a, I'm not just a schmo. <laughs> I, I actually do. Really, and, and I think your most popular tune is a. Is it Hey Paula? What is it? Yeah. It's, 
<laughs> I'm always like, what on earth? Why is that of all the songs I do? And that it has something to do with the algorithm. That's all I know is like it got it got sucked up into the algorithm at some point. And that's like the only thing anyone listens to is Hey Paula. So this um, is, this is, is you. song, me yes. and, and Vaughn Lewis, who was okay. in the Green Book. He was, he played Bobby Rydell in the opening scene of the Green Book. Um, <laughs> we sing Hey Paula, which is a really sappy but sweet and my mom loves the song which is why we we i put in the show um and i actually really like the song too it's fun but it's yeah it's from kitten we do it in kitten the cats uh so let me i'll go back so i do these shows that are basically kind of jukebox musicals that i've created and um you know i've got nice collaborators too um and then they are singing and dancing and and comedy and they're kind of a mix of things they're not just a concert so that particular one is myself and two male singers and a band and there's you know video and dancing it's it's elaborate um and it's all music from like 58 to 64 it's the there's the you know timeline for that and it's really fun i, I love seeing those songs actually um and it makes people really happy. Like I, I'm to this point where I just want to make people happy. Right. I just want to do things that make people smile and let them forget about life for a little while and make them remember, you know, things they've enjoyed in their life. And like, I kind of feel like that's one of my purposes, my purposes. So um, that shows a good example of that. Yeah. And so it's one hit wonders. One hit wonders is also like that. Just a little, it goes from the sixties to the nineties and it's all songs from one hit wonders. And there's a game show we do in it. And, and there's dancers and singers and costume changes. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a really fun show. And then I just show up in a old pair of cargo shorts (laughs) and a (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah, uh, well, that's... A, it's, sure, it's you don't want to be in Thunder Jackets, a lot less work. <laughs> well, that's the thing about what I was doing and why I was like, what am I doing? Because it's it's not the performing. Like, the performing is the easy, fun part. Yeah. It's the logistics and the creation and the, you know, production side of it that are exhausting to me and maybe not my my forte. Well, I get I think, it done. No, you do a great job. Uh, how many, like, so it's, let's talk about these costume changes. Like, how many costume changes do you do in one of these shows? Give me an idea. Oh my gosh, in One Hit Wonders, I, we're almost changing every, every song. Like, it's it's crazy. And I don't even know. I couldn't even count. Like, Kim the Cats, maybe six, four to six. I can't remember. So for people, um, one who is really crazy. So I've got all these costumes, male and female, because there's two male singers, myself, two female dancers, and everyone's changing costumes constantly. So we have like at least two dressers backstage um, helping us. But even then, we're like, I went out without my shoes once. I my, you know, costume malfunction just imminent. <laughs> you know, it's it's intense. That show is intense. Um, and exhausting and fabulous and a lot goes into that show so how does that um, work because so, i've never had to do a costume change my entire 
in my entire life of playing. So you run back. <laughs> Never? I, what the fuck would I do a costume change in? I play rock and roll, man. You just step it up. No, you know, set, change costume. Like There's people a, are highly disappointed. Even if I'm doing just like a regular concert, like a, like a jazz concert, like people are disappointed if I don't change an intermission. So how does this work? I want to know the physicality. How do you do it so quickly? So you run behind stage. Do you have like a green room? Do you have like a cordon off carpeted? Or like, I mean, are so you just, you just dropping trowel in front of your, your, your coworkers? So in, what does it happen? In my, in the writer, which is very technically specific about everything that has to do with the show. Part of what it says is, you know, we need however many dressing rooms and we need a quick change area. Um, usually off stage left and they'll like pipe and drape. It depends on the theater, but they'll like pipe and drape a little changing area for us right in the wings. Okay. And uh, depending on the, how quick it has to be, um, we'll determine like the situation. So like I have a costume change of Kit and the Cats that is happens in the first two verses of a song. So I have to run back, they unzip me, whoosh, and then throw back on and I run back out. It's very fast. The One Hit Wonders is a lot more complicated because there's so many more people changing and the guys are changing and the girls are changing and we're all, there's pieces, there's wigs, there's, you know, props. And, the, you know, we, we just about figured out, you know, without too many problems, but it's very tight. It's very tight, but we have to have help. Like I, I, we have to have, we should probably have more than two dressers for that show. People that are backstage helping you, you know, get it in and out of things. But that's also in the writer, how many dressers we need and yeah, magic. Well, that, that's, so that's interesting. I don't think most people think about this. They go see a show on Broadway or they go see a show downtown at the Folly or whatever. You don't think about this, the, 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 the gymnastics, for lack of a better term, of how you do a change stuff that quickly. And It's crazy. And of course, if you're you know, a big touring production, like a Broadway touring production, like probably almost everyone's going to have their own dresser. You know, there's going to be a lot more people helping you. So we have a you know, lower budget things and it's, it can get tricky. Um, and honestly, it's hard. I, somehow it's harder for the guys. Um, they, ha they struggle with it a little more than we do. I, maybe because they have more pieces. I'm not sure. You know, we're still trying to figure out some kinks of like how to, how to have your mic in here. Because we also have wireless mics. Okay. So that's an added layer of di uh, difficulty. <laughs> with um quick changes is dealing with going over mics and not you know running into cords and not dropping the mic on the floor and mic pack and um yeah it's crazy it's crazy now, backstage <laughs> now, you know, now you know why freddie mercury wore a unitard <laughs> right he just wanted to have the one outfit he didn't want to change it uh that's hilarious so before we go um Let's talk a little bit about your album. So if people want to find your albums, Laura, where would they find them? Where would be a good place to? All the usual, all the usual suspects. Um, depends on where you, you know, you listen, but they're everywhere. Amazon, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, all, all the places, YouTube. Um, my latest one is called Broken Lovely, and it was in consideration for a best jazz vocal Grammy a few years ago 
Um, it's more jazz influenced than really jazz, but uh, I really love that album. And I was really, I'm really proud of it. And I also have an album that goes along with my show Femme Fatale, which is the music of film noir. And my first album is Here Lies Love, and it was produced by Alan Paul of the Manhattan Transfer. Um, and that, so that was a really interesting experience because my first time recording and it was very overwhelming. <laughs> uh, so by the third one, I feel like, oh, I understand how this works. Um, and I'm, yeah, so yeah, all, all those places you can get music. So Broken Lovely, for people who haven't heard it, it's, you took a lot of rock and roll tunes, right? Yeah. You we took a like, Pat Benatar song. You took a, what's the one song that was the, Essence. We did Evanescence. Yeah, Evanescence, Evanescence yeah. We did um, uh, No Doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of turn them into, you know, not really postmodern jukebox so much, but just kind of reimaginings of those songs. and. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of the album. So I want to ask this so people have a better understanding of recording studio. So, okay, so Laura, your musical, John, is that his name? The, the keyboard player? John Brodby. Mm -hmm. right. So you said, hey, John, I want to do a No Doubt tune. And yeah. so then does John then have to go and write charts for the whole band? And you usually want to sing in a different key than the recording. I found that out from personal experience. Because I'm an alto man. I can't be singing in these. Yeah. So basically what happened, like with that particular album, what happened was um, I knew what I wanted. And so like for the New Doubt song, I said, you know, what I really want is kind of like a, like a cotton club version of Bathwater. And he really liked that idea. So then he writes the chart, vision arranger and conductor. Um, he did all the arrangements for like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and he used to work on the dinosaur show and you know would have be making arrangements every day for that uh, so he, he he writes it you know how, how do you hear it how you know he asked me what instruments and then he'll he'll put it together and then we'll meet um, when he's done a sketch of it and he'll you know play it out for me and I'll say eh, this is you know usually I'm like okay <laughs> sounds good uh, but sometimes when we like, I don't know about that part or let's go back to the bridge here, or, you know, however we deal with structure. Um, and then he usually contracts the date. Uh, and um, it's all guys that I've worked with some, but sometimes if we have strings or something, I don't, I don't know a lot of string players. So he definitely contracts that all out and we go in and try to knock as much out as we can because studio time and musicians are expensive. Yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we recorded all the instruments, I think for that album in two days. That's really I quick. Say. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes a while for me to get it the way I want it and then we mix it and then master it. And then that's that. So how many takes do you like to do? Like what's a, what's in your wheel? Like how many are you like a person's like, I can do it in three takes. Are you a person's like, I got to do 50. What well, you we usually do um, is do three takes and then go through and listen to see which is the best and then work with that one. So, you know, maybe we just take that whole take um, or we, you know, punch in if there's parts. Um, but I'm, I'm a pretty consistent singer. Yeah. So 
you know, if it's usually going to go off the rails, it happens in the same place every time. <laughs> but, uh, but also it's easy for me to patch in and out of things because um, I'm pretty consistent. Um, and so, yeah, usually I do three takes and unless there's some, I mean, there's some, whereas one song I did that we didn't even, I didn't even end up finishing it. There's a beautiful track for something out there that it, that I just couldn't vocally, I was never vocally happy with it. So there's a potential bonus track <laughs> sitting on a hard drive somewhere. So my, my theory is why you do three, you know, I'm, you do three takes. Why? You're a Catholic girl. <laughs> Father, son, Holy Ghost. <laughs> hey, whatever works. Everything in threes. I'm telling you, man, you grew up Catholic. You're like, yeah, three's good. <laughs> so let's, well, let's. Three, three usually gets the job done. That's all I know. So people can hire you in a lot of ways right now. You give lessons yeah. online. You yeah. are doing these singing telegram. What do you call them? Let's. Well, the video ones are called Celebration Songs. And if you go to my website, vintagevoicemusic.com, you'll see a tab for the celebration songs. And you can see, I can either do a song from the list, which is very long, um, or a song that you specially requested. And I'll do a video performance of it. And I'll read a message from you to your loved one. And so a lot of people were doing that for Mother's Day and Father's Day and, you know, like birthdays. And since we can't necessarily celebrate with everyone, it, that's why I call it celebration songs. It's like a nice way to mark the occasion um, without, you know, being, since we can't be together. And I can also add pictures to it. Um, so it's kind of like a little, you know, little photo montage of one of your loved one's favorite songs. Right, that's a nice way to connect, mm -hmm. right? It is, it is. And it's, it's been very well received so far. So, and someone had me this last week do kind of like a, a short set of songs um, in the same fashion. So that they, they were going to have a virtual birthday party. And so they just had me sing a few of the person's favorite songs. Yeah. And the Toka To Go is, um, on, it's another thing that if you're in LA or the LA area, then uh, you can hire me to come and sing on your lawn. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I, I say this with all sincerity. You, you put on great performances. I'm not just saying that because I'm yeah. married to your cousin. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I honestly believe it. And, and I, I think you do a great job and you do so much with not only the singing, but the uh, dancing and your ability to connect with an audience. And th those are not easy things to do. And I think you always do a great job with it. So I highly recommend Thanks. people do all well, it's, it's true. So thank you. I, I would, I did preface all this uh, when I led into all this before that I said, you know, that we have an interesting dynamic because I think I drive you nuts, but hopefully in a good way. <laughs> no, you don't drive me nuts, but you are, uh, obviously I am from the Kelly family and you are a doer and those two things don't always mesh really well. But um, I, I appreciate that you, you, um, pushed me in a nice way into, you know, doing like the rock show and stuff, doing stuff I don't get to do. And, you know, we've had a lot of fun collaborations and I look forward to more in the future. You know me, man, I'm up for anything. <laughs> I know, I'm not going to give you any ideas though. No, don't give me any ideas. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Well, I've got, uh, you know, I, I recorded the song this week and it was not with you. You got a break. So that should make you feel good. Well, I'm glad you're recording, though. That's good. Uh, 
it's just fun to do. I learn something every time I do it too. So yeah. It's been... Yeah. I wish I was better at that or lived by you. <laughs> so we could do more stuff like that. <laughs> you, you're, we're going to get you here someday. Yeah. Yeah. So for people that don't know, since you're from Kansas city and stuff, but why do you love it so much? Why do you love Kansas city? Why do you miss it? Well, number one, I miss my family. Um, that's just number one, but it's such a great town, you know, it's such a great town. And the thing that you have there that we don't have here, you know, Los Angeles is so big that there are very few things that unite everybody, you know, and in Kansas city, it's like you have the Royals and you have the chiefs. And, and I know not everybody's into those things, but when, when they're in, you know, when they're going to win the world series or the Super Bowl, like you feel the whole city is like vibrating around that event. Right. Yeah. And, we don't, we just don't, we don't have that. There's so many things happening. There's a million amazing things that happen here. Um, but it's very, you know, fractured in, in the way it feels like there's, I just don't feel the unity and the um, community so much like you do in Kansas city. And you know, Kansas city just has cool people. LA of course has cool people too, but um, I have, you know, everyone in, in my heart, so many people in my heart are there and I'm really sad. I can't really hang there this summer. I'm very sad, but yeah. you know, eventually. Yeah. You're going to get home. September, yeah. Figure it out. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, I will put, be sure to put in the show notes, how to find your vintage and all your different things. Yeah. I'll put some clips up and it's a great joy. We miss you, Laura. We do. I know. I miss you guys too. And, but and we, thanks. Really appreciate you having me on your show. Uh, I wanted you number one. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just don't think I have anything interesting to say. You're going to be so. <laughs> this is how popular you are. Then I'm going to really let you go so you can go. But you put a thing up about masks, and people love you so much. Everybody else I've seen a video about wearing masks, people are like, eh, screw that mask, man. Like, and everybody just, oh, Laura. Everybody loves Laura. If I put something about mask, I'd have people like probably trying to kill me. No, it's because I was trying to make it look cool and nice and pretty and not, not a political thing. Just like, Hey, look how pretty you can look with a mask on. This mask is pretty. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> but if I did it, people would like, oh, what's up? I don't know. No, I don't think that's true. But Luke definitely likes Luke definitely wins the internet when he's on there. <laughs> Say so he has a stable lady that are wanting you to divorce him or you know drop dead or do something so they can just swoop in. It's like a oh my bad. Gosh, they totally would. They totally would. They're just waiting in the wings for sure. Well, that means you won. You, you I know. Can, you can shake your finger at him and say, "Nah, nah, not you." All right. It's great talking to you. Be very safe. I miss you. I hope we can see each other in person soon. Laura Ellis, everybody. So much fun to talk to Laura. Now you guys can see why I enjoy collaborating with her. She's just a ton of fun, and she's super good, super talented. And this track you're listening to right now, we actually did this. This is a socially distant track, man. 
you can do a socially distant track. So this is uh, my friend Clay Johnson on bass and uh, Jerry Hooper on the keyboards and Dan Jackson on drums and then the schmo named Jamie Green playing the guitar parts and the fabulous Laura Ellis on uh, vocals. So it was fun to do this, but I, I will be honest, I'd much rather play with Laura in person and hopefully that's going to be happening in September. So that's it for this episode of Trading Force. Hey, next time, something completely different, as they say on the BBC. I've got uh, the podcast host, Johnny Gowdy, out of Austin, Texas, who's also a musician, who also is a guitar player and a singer. And uh, basically, Johnny's like me, but like better. Better musician, better podcast host. Uh, but it hasn't gone to his head. He's a super cool guy, and he's going to be on. We're going to talk all about his podcast process. He's had over 900 episodes. Can you imagine 900 episodes? And it's been voted, like, best of Austin podcast several times. Cool dude. We're going to talk about his life and his career and how he's holding up and all those good things. So look for that. That'll be up soon. And in the meantime, uh, go out and support live music virtually, and we'll talk real soon. Take care.